Hi, and welcome to the 40 Drinks Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McLaughlin. Today, I'm talking to my friend, Jamie Lang, who talks about the last time she was blissfully happy and how she got lost in her 30s. You'll hear about how Jamie accidentally moved to Florida and how she learned to stop shooting all over herself. But more on that later. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for joining me. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good. Welcome to the 40 Drinks Podcast. For everybody listening, I want to talk a little bit about Jamie. Jamie was one of my 40 Drinks people. So she was, I think, drink number either 36 or 37. I think you were 37 out of 40. And we have known each other for a very long time. We probably met in, what do you think? 2000. I'm thinking of the MYPN years. It was the year it started. I met you three months after the first meeting, like right away. I think it was 2003, 2004. Long time. I know. I wanted to talk to you for a couple of reasons. I thought one, we could talk a little bit about how we've known each other and how we've both kind of evolved through the years. Mm -hmm. But also I know that you have done a lot on the years before and after your 40th birthday. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about how your life has changed and sort of your personal evolution into the dreaded midlife years. So we were just talking before we started and saying that you lived here in Manchester, New Hampshire for 20 years. And we were great friends for a very, very, very long time. We, we you used to have sleepovers at my house all the time. <laughs> Jamie would show up on a Friday night to go out after work, except she'd show up with a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> you know, inevitably it was going to roll into Sunday. <laughs> she'd leave sometime on Sunday afternoon so she could do laundry before going back to work on Monday. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You were just telling me about looking at pictures and your late 20s and your early 30s. Tell me about your thoughts on those years. You know, the thing that really stands out to me when I think about my life and we hit this wonderful midlife age where we start asking ourselves lots of questions about purpose and things like that. And someone said to me, when's the last time you remember just being blissfully happy, no anxiety, just on top of the world. And I said, it was like 27 to 32, 33 is when I thought I could conquer the world and just take on things without hesitation. So when I was looking at these pictures, I was looking at us from all the wine expos that we went to and the nights in Boston or the rugby proms or the treasured St. Patrick's days with your family and all of our friends and just the holidays and just our crew. Like we had a hell of a crew that we hung out with and had the most fun shenanigans with. And we were just confident. We were big fish in a small pond. We were making things happen in New Hampshire. We were paving paths. And I just remember, I don't know, there's something about back then I remember feeling like looking at some of the pictures and thinking, so that was the outfit I chose, but we just kind of threw on clothes and we thought we were fantastic every day. We, we were. We just woke up and got dressed and got to it and laughed. And so it was a lot of those, just so many pictures of just happiness and memories of that time. 
Yeah. And then you actually moved out of New Hampshire a bunch of years ago. And so tell me about the time between that sort of like mid thirties and your late thirties. You said those were not as, as awesome years. So tell me sort of what changed between the years when we were ruling the world and the years when I think you say you got lost. I did. I think I was at the college and that really afforded me the opportunity in that role to just be everywhere and be a brand and network. And I think it was right around that pivotal time when people were starting to take other jobs and move away, get engaged, marriage, families, coupling, a separation of our giant crazy group because we... We were, as we showed, growing up. And then at that time, it's when the the college closed. And I had been there. I started there in, you know, 2002. So I was there for over a decade. And tell me about the college. Remind us the college and what you did there. It was Sessler College, corporate-owned college. So they didn't have local branding. So I just took it all on. And I ran commencement for a couple of years. And I did all of the things. And when it closed... You know, you think I have all people as a career services counselor should know exactly what to do next. But I didn't, I did not, you say you don't know until you know. I didn't know that that was like my identity. And so when I left there, I thought I have absolutely no idea what I want to do, which was strange for me, given the amount of connections I had with our group, our very successful group. And And how deep your network was in Manchester. It was deep, but for some reason, I and I didn't have my degree. And instead of feeling like I have a million opportunities, that's when shame came about. I've listened to a lot of Brene's work, and that's probably made me able to reflect back and say, wow, I, I did all the things. And it was at that point where during that time, I didn't think about marriage or kids. I thought about being very successful and having just a fabulous life with my friends. And then something hit me and I was like, I don't have a career. I don't have a, a partner. I'm nowhere near having kids. And then it was like, I looked ahead and I was like, 40 is rushing at my face right now. And I'm supposed to check the boxes. I had a severance. So I was just spending some time kind of figuring it out doing some interviewing. And then I met somebody, you know, who was like the one that should have never been, but we all need him for growth purposes. <laughs> yes. And so I just went and moved in with him. He was in Boston. I wanted to check that box. I always wanted to live in Boston. And then I got smarter. And I remember it was the winter time and New England had five blizzards in eight days, I think. It was when the cover of the Boston Globe had that doctor that was cross-country skiing to the hospital because Boston was legitimately shut down. You couldn't move. And my parents snowbird in Florida, my mom and my stepdad. So I went down there for just a little visit. I put stuff in storage and I just packed a bag of shorts. And that's when I said, well, gosh, I'm such a beach girl. Here I am fishing and laying on the beach and you guys are you know, annihilating your joints and back, shoveling more snow than I've ever seen in my life. And I think I'm good down here. So I applied for a job more so because I thought, wouldn't it be funny if I got it? And it was a director role. And that's the one I had not achieved true director status. So I applied, I interviewed, 
And they hired me on the spot and I drove back in shock to my parents' house and said, I, I think I just moved to Florida. I think I think have to get my clothes like more than a, a beach cover up. I got to fly home now. <laughs> And it literally went like that. I think for the first three years, I thought I was just visiting on assignment. It hadn't dawned on me. <laughs> it took three years to feel like a Floridian. Wow. Yeah, I remember that time because I think there was like two weeks where you actually lived with me. It was either before you went to see your parents or right when you got home or something. It was definitely a like a crazy time. I feel like you were sort of in like a... Ah! Ah, like mode of, I don't know if it was panic or if it was just, you know, moving for the sake of moving, but you, you definitely were not your sort of calm self. I wasn't so. myself at all. I forgot about that. I did come stay with you because I was like, I can make it work, right? I just have to talk to Stephanie. I can make it work. I can go back to New Hampshire. And of course you were like, duh, are you forgetting? But I think... That's, are you forgetting what tell me what brilliant advice i gave you <laughs> you just you started naming off like my skills and all the things i did with myp and, and then the chamber because i was with the chamber as an ambassador for five years i chaired that for two and a half years and i went through leadership and you were just like you were kind of like reading my professional history off to me and then reminding me of my entire network of friends it's almost like unbeknownst to me, someone pulled the confidence rug right out from under me and I couldn't find it. I think it was as the things that I love so much were at the time, I probably thought not taken away, but the job was removed. Good friends were moving away. Our group was drifting apart. I was feeling like that love gap. And then it was, I was turning to, oh, and I don't have a partner now to move on to either. And the thing that I've learned you know, looking back and one of probably the most brilliant things somebody said to me, and it was a woman who used to work for me when I was talking to her last year. And she said, you really need to stop shooting all over yourself. She goes, you're shooting. We do that, especially women. We should on ourselves. I should be here. I should have this. I should have a husband. I should have kids. I should have the house, the white picket fence, the big 401k, a nice, big, robust car. I should be volunteering. And you, we spend so much time shooting that we forget to just be. And I forgot to, I forgot who I was and I forgot how to be because I was so focused on what I didn't have in my mind that I started chasing it like a squirrel <laughs> running around a yard. I think at that time is all I can think of. And it took me, took me a little bit to kind of get back to steady, which is part of the purpose of coming to North Carolina is okay. You got to recenter because no one's paying your bills, but you, no one's dealing with your body changing, but you, and you know, all these things that we deal with now. So tell me, you said something about when all those things were sort of shedding from your life, the, you know, the job and the friends and the, and, and I've had those same sort of experiences too, where it just feels like the life you love is sort of evaporating before your, your very eyes. You said somebody pulled the rug of confidence out from under you. Have you found it again? I have every once in a while I get hung up, but it, it took me a while. You know, when I was in Florida, I was finding my way. It took me. I lived a little bit around Florida trying to find my way. And then I got to St. Pete, which was really my ultimate goal. And I found like my current humongous group of friends. I joined a running club, despite the fact that I hate running and I'm also not good at it. 
but I was good at drinking beer and all of them started from a brewery. I learned how to run and I had this just amazing group of friends that I had met just coming out of a different, very serious relationship. And I just, I was like, and I got back to that center where I was thinking, I actually don't have to have a person. I mean, I would love a person to go through life's journey with, but I'm actually pretty independent. I know what I like. I have boundaries and I am surrounded by like, and even in the years, yourself included, I am surrounded by fabulous people. I'm, I'm not alone. I actually stubbornly can do what I want, what I want. So in Florida, I had that great group and I was working at Nielsen at the time and I loved my job, loved my job. What were you doing? Recruiting. And I just loved every. I love everything Nielsen does. It was innovative. I got involved on a leadership team for diversity and inclusion with all the ERGs. And of course, you know, that stuff is right up my alley, planning fun events and employee engagement. But COVID hit and 600 of us were let go last year. So, you know, there I was again, being removed from something that I was, that I had finally arrived and loved. And COVID just did, you know, weird things for all of us. I went home to Maine. And when I came back, I just started really reevaluating again. Like I kept feeling like, okay, something's missing. And it's 104 degrees down here. So I'm a half back now. I miss everybody up north, but I don't want to shovel or wear layers. So I'm in North Carolina, in the heart of the Blue Ridge Mountains, where there's a lot of energy and a lot of energy healers in this area. It's very metaphysical, very grounded. And it's the four seasons that we New Englanders love so much. But it snows and it's pretty and then it's gone. <laughs> so, and I'm rooting here. So here I am. And, and I'm just super focused on what do I want to do before the end of the dash, so to speak. And do you have any answers? Do you know what you want to do? Uh, no. Aside from have a crate of stamped passports, that is really the only like absolute must is can I get my travel on? So that means that I'm now focused when I think of careers, I'm, I am focused on like, yes, I want to be happy, but also where's the money to set myself up to just be that person that just can speak to 35 different countries <laughs> before I so die. It, it, that sounds great. It strikes me though, that you had a similar experience in Florida, the end of your Florida time, as you did at the end of your New Hampshire time, meaning the job went away. And I don't know what was going on with the friends group there. But it sounds like your recovery from that was much faster this time around than it was the first time. Would you agree? I would. There's so many people down there in Florida that I absolutely adore. But when you start to realize the things like, okay, well, who's really there? Who can I call on a pinch? Who can I be my most authentic, weird, imperfect self in front of with no judgment? And, you know, all of those things where you just think about, I just think a lot about energy and I think of the bucket. And I'll never forget going back to our good friend, Tiffany Pfeiffer. Long time ago, when this was starting, she gave me a book called How Full Is Your Bucket? And I treasure that book and I've read it many times. And so I've kind of circled back to it again. And I'm like, the bucket, you know, is it flowing in and out? My point is, I think it was easier. and But sadly, I think with what's going on in the world, I think we, 
cut quick. I hate to use that term, but it kind of makes you realize you have to do what makes you happy. I can't live for, well, I should just be around this big group of friends. It should be, I need to go where I need to go. And anybody that wants to be part of my life is going to be part of my life, regardless of where my residence is. Right. I really like clipped and left. I didn't actually, and I just, I, I very much regret, but I didn't really say goodbye except to maybe three people. I just, I wasn't sure if I was doing the right thing. So I quietly crept out of Florida. <laughs> it was very weird. <laughs> but again, that's where my head was at the time, because again, it was December. I was turning another year trying to get to where I think I want to be. Yeah. So tell me about your bucket. What's in your bucket? Give me the like two sentence premise of what's in your bucket. Hmm. It's not a book I've read, so I'm not familiar with the premise. Oh, how full is your bucket? Well, so the the concept of it is that we all have a bucket of energy Mm -hmm. and it's not always full. It's all about your energy. And we hear a lot about self-care now, and that's what it's really all about. It's you can give, you can spill your bucket into other people's buckets as they need support your friends. Right. Mm -hmm. But are they, when they can, are they refilling? So it should be a flow and not you just constantly pouring and losing everything out of your bucket. So that's the whole point of how full is your bucket is, are you depleting yourself so much, you know, either giving to others or thinking about things that aren't serving you that you are essentially running on empty. So how do you feel like you're doing now? How's your bucket now? I think my bucket is like 75% full, which is really good. No, it's very good. Yeah. I think that's really, you know, that's great. No sloshing. (laughs) (laughs) what are the things that you do just in your life like regardless of where you live what are the things that you do that fill your bucket that that give you good energy that make you feel good and make you feel fulfilled definitely you know maintaining my connection with my family and my friends that's you know a number one to me especially as our family our elders get older it's really valuing that time and making sure that you're there and you value those relationships. And then for me, it's keeping up with what makes me happy. So continuing to learn how to make a food like Asian food is my thing right now. I want to learn how to make, you know, great Thai food and getting out in nature, you know? So even though I might not be flying internationally, the biggest thing for me is, we don't know how long we have. So how much can I experience and create memories? So when I'm older and I can't move very well, hopefully I still have my wits about me and I can reflect and look at pictures of this great life that I've had. That is what keeps me running is experiences. That's probably the, that's probably in a nutshell is creating experiences and trying new things, learning. That's great. So you were amidst your Florida years when you turned 40. Do you remember how you felt about 40? It sounds like Florida was um, a median place for you, right? You were in New Hampshire for 20 years and then you were in Florida for what, like four or five years? Seven. Oh my goodness. Wow. So it's not really just a, a median place. So you were in Florida when you turned 40. Do you remember how you felt about 40? Yeah, I was miserable. Oh no. Why? 
You know, it's funny because obviously I think what we're, what we're hearing a lot of is that when I make changes, it's after a relationship, you know, when things really kick me in the butt, which, you know, I take them now. I've not, now I'm at an age where I'm like, that was a great learning experience. What can I take from that? Where can I grow? I was still looking at the, I haven't done all of the things and I hadn't achieved that job. I wasn't at Nielsen yet. So I was also like, you know, in New Hampshire, again, like that, at that point now, I knew I had this great network, but in Tampa Bay, like you're a minnow. And I wasn't just easily finding the networks. I wasn't getting to where I wanted to be this recruiter at this great company. So there was a little bit of frustration there. And I was dating somebody and was no longer. But out of that, I had become a scuba diver which was a a dream I had for a long time. And I found a scuba group, this group of friends, and they were really cool. They took me to dinner. So I remember my actual 40th, but I I was looking back at my 30th, which was crazy (laughs) in Vegas. And I just had this vision of when I turned 40, I was, you know, it's like, ew, 40. But that's okay, because I have this massive group of friends I've been with my whole life around me and we're doing it together. And I suddenly miss all of you guys. I appreciated those friends that I had. I appreciated them more than anything because they needed to be in my life and they were great. But it was like, I suddenly was like, where is my clan? Aren't we supposed to do this together? Like we did my 30th. That stung for me to be away from everybody that I wanted. I wanted to hit that next milestone with, but I had these friends and they took me in. My friend, Casey, her family is a good friend of the family. And we became very close around that time. And she flew to Puerto Rico with me. So I had a friend that let me use his timeshare in Puerto Rico. And so I went there just for like a three-day weekend. And when we arrived, there was, I think it was called the Sunset. It's like an EDM festival that goes around the entire world. It happened to be at our resort. That was fun. The drinking age was 18. So here I am 40 and I feel like I'm a chaperone. But I got my face painted and I was like, I am going all in. I'm still 30 in my head. So I'm going to wear the headdress and I'm going to dance around and yeah. And then as soon as I got past 40, I was like, oh, I feel a little bit smarter now. I feel like things are going to roll rolling off my shoulders a lot more now. Okay. We can do this slowly. That's good. Yeah. Where do you still feel sort of stuck or like you're unfulfilled or you, you still feel like, oh, I know that's like, I'm not finished growing there because there's definitely a, a, you know, a soft spot there. It would be in my ability still probably to sweat the small stuff. I mean, again, going back to what we were talking about that time when, I mean, we weren't perfect. We all had bad days, but again, that time when we were all together, it felt, it just seemed like, yeah whatever. And somehow as on the one hand, there's certain things that roll off, but at the same time, like I find myself a lot more agitated Mm -hmm. right now. And so I'm like, God, I'm too young to get crotchety. (laughs) Then, you know, I feel, so it's like a less carefree. So those things like I'm practicing that is really just when someone cuts you off in a car and all those things like that, you know, I think there's room for me to pause and breeze more. And then, you know, I think, I don't know about the relationship thing, but maybe I think I've become so independent that I'm like, what would I be like in a, in a serious, like in a marriage right now? 
given the fact that I'm fine without anybody. And I know I'd be a great partner because I think on the, you know, the other side of that coin really is that you realize that it's not cliche to say marry your best friend, that you really, right. if you're going to have somebody coming up into your house, that is your own established house or there's a whatever, then it's going to be somebody that you really want to be with every day, all day. And you can probably speak to that with that. Sure can. It's not cake and it's not fairy tale. So for me, I'm like, "Mm, nothing cliche. I'm really looking for like my best pal. Yeah. Yeah. And just as a reminder, I didn't meet Patrick until I was 40. I know. You know, so there is no, you know, neither of us were ever married before. You know, we both had serious relationships. I had some real stinkers, some of which you were around for. <laughs> I actually threw some pictures away of one particular stand-up stinker. <laughs> the redhead or the dark hair? The red. I, I can't keep flying with pictures that mean nothing. Then I like took a picture of like when he was in it for St. Patrick's Day. I was like, let me screenshot that. <laughs> that <be> <laughs> But anyway, no, I know there's that stigma, right? You know, you're, you're 44 years old and you haven't been married yet. Well, I've certainly gone through breakups that hurt just the same. I just haven't been hit financially per se. Or legally, right? You know, that legal part of it. But I always, I do think of you often when I think, because it's like, there's a little Stephanie in my ear saying, I I was in my forties. I was 40. But when, by the time you got married, you were in your forties. I was 44 when I got married. We'll get right back to my conversation with Jamie, but I wanted to pause for a moment to say, if you're enjoying this conversation, please join me on social media. The 40 Drinks podcast is on Instagram and Facebook as 40 Drinks, F-O-R-T-Y Drinks, all one word. Head over there and tell me what you think about today's conversation and how you relate to what Jamie's talking about. Okay, back to Jamie, who realizes she has a hole in her middle that brunching just won't fill. And despite TLC telling us not to go chasing waterfalls in the mid-90s, Jamie is quite happy doing just that and climbing mountains these days. I love your colleague from last year who said you're shooting all over yourself. I think should is a four letter word. And I think it causes so much pain and so much suffering. And especially when we're measuring ourselves against other people. But let me just sort of talk to you a tiny bit about, you know, one of the things I've kind of learned. So sort of through the 40 drinks project and, and afterwards, you know, I had I've I've done a lot of reading around sort of like, you know, adulthood and different phases and, you know, developmental stages and things like that. And one of the things that is sort of talked about in your sort of late 40s, like the decade between 35 and 45 can definitely be a doozy. And it's they call it first adulthood and second adulthood. So your first adulthood you're doing for potentially external reasons, right? You're making choices based on some external authority, whether it's your parents or your friends or your boss or the media or, you know, whatever people are telling you is sort of the cool thing or the thing that you should do. You sort of follow those tracks. And then you get to a point where you become, I I like to think of it as like, let's say you're like a houseplant, like a big, you know, tall houseplant and you get knocked over and there's dirt all over the floor. Well, when you put yourself back together, when you repot yourself, you're only going to put back in the pot, those things that you choose for yourself, that you find fulfilling, that you, that are meaningful to you, that, that you want for your life. In this age, you see a lot of people making 
pretty significant transitions in their life, right? You see divorces, you see career changes, you see marriages, you see people who don't have kids, the time is running out. So they, they have kids, right? So there's a lot of sort of volatility in these couple of years. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you was because I've, I've watched from the cheap seats from way up in the balcony that like you have made some pretty significant changes through your late thirties through to your mid forties. And so I was very curious curious to hear whether there was any sort of personal evolutions that were happening when you left New Hampshire and went to Florida. Like you say, you went to visit your parents for a couple of weeks and then found yourself a job. Like, I think you were sort of doing that out of kind of panic. But then like, as you moved forward, like, you know, you moved a couple of times when you were in Florida and now you're in North Carolina. And so I just wanted to talk to you about some of these changes and how you processed them and if you're processing them differently now so you just moved last winter over in December of 2020 how is that different than when you moved from Manchester to Florida it was definitely a lot harder moving to North Carolina felt harder when I went to Florida I think I just felt like I wasn't going to be successful. I felt like everybody was going into their own directions and I was just standing there by myself without you know, the things that I should have. So I went down there to probably in my mind, find myself and just chill. And part of me wanted to live like a a Jimmy Buffett song or whatever. I just went down there and I was like, I'll just start over. It won't hurt the sunshine. And, you know, when I found my way around there and when I moved and I had reestablished myself, like we talked about earlier, when I had this great group of friends, Mm -hmm. it was almost like, are you going to move away from that again? You've already done that before. And then you're sad after the fact. I felt like I was making a decision, but I didn't know if it was the right decision. It was the hardest decision literally I've ever made in my life. It was wow. extremely emotional. But this was also during a time when we had a very volatile presidential election and we had COVID and we had fear of losing people we loved and we were losing people we loved. And so it was so messed up and emotional and what should I do? But there was like a hole I could not fill with all the brunches on weekends and boating and beaching and, and the diving I did love. There was a hole. I couldn't putty it. It was fun, but I'm like, you're in your forties. Your, your waist is expanding. Your bank is shrinking and the recovery is not great. You know? So I was like, what are you doing? And I was working a contract job too. So I was remote and I didn't have anything And That was it. But they, I mean, it was really the heat. Florida, it's a great place to vacation, but it's so hot now that I thought when I was in Maine, just to get back up for a step, I remembered how much I liked having the windows open all the time and walking across the grass and just that New England thing that we love so much. Mm -hmm. So when I went back down there and I was now caged into an air conditioned area and you even feel like you're baking and you know, you can't even just floating in a pool, you need to like roll off constantly. So I just thought this isn't my roots. I'm not ready to go back to New England yet and have that winter, but I've got to get someplace where I can step on like dirt. And then I just started applying and throwing darts and one stuck. But when I finally did drive up here, it was just hard. I had my birthday with friends. A couple of my girlfriends literally came over and helped me pack and clean my car because I was such a mess. I was all over the place. They basically put me together, packed my car, cleaned my apartment, patted me on the butt and said, you've got this, you have to go. 
And I pulled over probably three times. I think it took me two hours longer than it should have because I pulled over and sobbed like ugly cried on the side of the road so much that I couldn't see. And I was like, I I don't think I'm doing the right thing. I don't think I'm doing the right thing. It was hard. And it was my birthday and it was Christmas. So that means I never put a tree up and how much I love Christmas. So like I essentially skipped Christmas Mm. and then I flew to Florida and my grandpa had his heart attack on Christmas last year. So like that was even more like, what am I doing? I'm not near anybody. I'm processing. Wow. I have sense, of course, being Jamie, have made awesome friends and I'm having fun and I'm going to festivals and dinner parties and going to breweries and feeling settled. You're feeling settled? I am. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to retire here, but I, I had the opportunity to take a job in Michigan, possibly, and I don't want to re- relocate back up north. And so that tells me something. This company that I've contracted for again just recently, love them, love the team, could work for them forever. But and we discussed, I discussed with that boss, you know, hey, don't you want to come up here and be with us? And I said, I do. If you'll fly me in occasionally, but I'm not done in Nashville. I'm I'm working on something. This is an important part of my chapter. It strikes me that you're Goldilocksing your way, meaning you're in New England and it was too cold. And then you were in Florida and it was too hot. (laughs) And now you're halfway in between. And it sounds a little bit like it's just right. I think so. It's the first time in my entire life I've lived more than an hour from an ocean. So that is challenging because it's five and a half hours away. But my father and my stepmother did just buy their snowboard house in Surfside, which is just south of Myrtle Beach. So it's that area, but less cheesy. (laughs) It's a little bit longer to get there, but this state does touch touch an ocean. (laughs) But the mountains around here, you know, when I was up north, I remember we'd hike the Appalachian Trail and I used to hike Monadnock starting when I was in college. That was something I used to love. So that's like where I'm at right now is let me get out and chase waterfalls and hike mountains and try to keep this 40-year-old body in shape. (laughs) Sounds like you're doing a great job at it. Yeah, I think I am. You know, I've even become comfortable with the fact that I don't look like I do when I was 27. I'm not going to be a twig again. I mean, could I? Yes. But how much of my life and happiness and food would I have to compromise? Too much. Right. Right. I'm just, I'm, just it's, I'm, I'm existing now. My goal is to not be crotchety and need 50 drugs and wheelchairs when I'm 80. Right. So if I can just be that like saucy little 93 year old that's running around playing tennis, good enough. I love that vision for you. <laughs> I can't wait to visit you at whatever retirement community that's at. <laughs> you never know. Maybe that's when I come back to New England. I just come back and we are just all like in the same retirement community. And knowing you and I, we'll be like, we'll be like the type A personality that's organizing the bridge. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And the salsa lessons. Yes. We'll get like 20 something uh, male salsa dancers to come in and teach us salsa just basically so we can like pinch their bums. Exactly. (laughs) Those are little golf carts, you know, because our community is going to have golf carts and we're going (laughs) to drive around and they're going to be decorated. Yeah, I love it. I can't wait. (laughs) 
So I want to give you a little bit of homework that was given to me many years ago. It strikes me listening to you. Well, let me ask you this question. How many voices do you have in your head? Ooh, I mean, uh, definitely two. I do too. I have two. And if I'm just sort of like broad brushing it, I would say that I have a nice one and a mean one. Do you yeah. agree? Oh, okay. And is the mean one much louder than the nice one? She's obnoxious. Okay. This is how I got my mean girl under control. This is homework from Bill Burns. Do you remember Bill Burns? I do. Oh, yeah. He was so special to you too. Yeah. He was. He was actually one of my 40 drinks. He, I think, was like, he might have been number two or number three. So Bill Burns was a psychic out of Los Angeles. He died uh, a number of years ago. So unfortunately, we are without him. But I can tell you that he lives on in this, this homework that he gave me. So he said to me at night, before you go to bed, get a journal. And of course he said journal. And I was like, I don't even want to talk about this. I hate journaling. And I'm a writer for crying out loud, but I've always hated journaling. And he was like, settle down, just listen. So what you do is at night, you write down all the things that pleased you that day. Doesn't mean anything had to go right. Doesn't mean you had to succeed. Just what pleased you that day. I was pleased with the way my hair came out today. I was pleased that I did well on this particular phone call. I was pleased that the weather was beautiful when I was walking from my car to the office and I noticed it and I took a deep breath, right? It could be, it could be anything. Could be like I rocked it at work today. Could be I went for a run, but it's not about achievement. It's about what made you happy. Like what pleased you? If you look back on your day, what are you like? Yeah. But you're looking for like little things. Then you flip the page and on the other side of the page, you write down what talents, skills, qualities, or abilities you brought to the table that made any of those things go well. Just by saying, I was pleased that the weather was beautiful when I was walking from my car to the office and I noticed. Well, what about me made that go well? My sense of perception, I used it then. I took a moment and noticed, you know, that phone call went well. Well, that was my skill at, you know, negotiating or whatever. You know, I like how my hair came out. That was my skill with a blow dryer, right? It could be anything. It could be the, the tiniest little things. So just doing that exercise most nights of the week. I will tell you that I did it religiously for a year and a half and it changed my life. All of a sudden, the mean girl was sort of shrunk down to a reasonable size and the nice girl grew a little bit so that now the voices in my head are more balanced. And when I feel like I get out of balance, like if there are days or weeks where I'm like, wow, I've been beating up on myself a lot these days, I just pull out my journal and start doing it again. And, and it takes a much shorter time for me to sort of like rebalance that sort of internal monologue. I present you with this homework and do whatever you wish with it. But if you decide to do it with any consistency, I want you to come back and tell us how it worked. I definitely will. It's interesting that you say that because that was brought up in therapy years ago, journal. And I, I like, 
No, but I appreciate you sharing that with me because you and I are similar in that way that if something's not growing right, we're so stubborn. We won't even do that because we're like, I don't have anything good to say today. You know what? What did I write down? What pissed me off? That's easier. (laughs) I know that if you like thinking about getting more into manifesting and what that really is. So thank you. That is something I will do. And I have to, I have to realize that part of manifesting isn't that I do it for one or two nights and then all of a sudden everything's shiny. Yeah. It's a way of life. You absolutely have to practice. I hope that a year, like I'd love a year from now for us to recap and for me to have this entire like cool story of what I did and how it changed. That would be awesome. I just want you to know, I'm going to put a note on my calendar that would for be awesome. a year from now to mm-hmm. follow up with you and see how life is. Awesome. I have loved everything we've talked about and I wish you the very, very best on your continued journey. Thank you. You too. It was so good to catch up. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share with your friends. If you know someone who's got a great story about turning 40, we want to hear it and I probably want to talk to them. Go to 40drinks.com slash guest. And next week, grab something sparkling, put on your most fabulous statement earrings, and join me for a conversation with author Kay Danielle. The 40 Drinks podcast is produced by Outpost Productions and presented by Savoir Faire Marketing Communications.